Hello, it's Dawn, and this is my podcast, Conversations. It's a variety show about real life stuff, and there's something on here for everybody. So if that sounds good to you, let's go. Welcome to another episode of Conversations. Today we have Brigitte. Hi, Brigitte. Thank you for having me. Good to see you, Dawn. It's great to talk to you. I actually was just looking at your website and I signed up for everything. Like, I'm super impressed with it. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. I hope I'm glad it speaks to you. Yes, it does. And, you know, I hate to even say this, but I'm just going to be honest. I am like a part time vegan. I am very good at it. But then if we have instances where we go to my mom's house and she makes her meat spaghetti sauce or whatever I have it you know it's like it's my mom's cooking I don't know I just can't not have it but otherwise when it's the, like the 80 20 I I most of the time just eat plant-based and I enjoy it thoroughly I feel you like- know the world needs a million millions and millions of imperfect vegans rather than <laughs> just one million perfect vegans right it would make such a difference yeah it, yeah because I think that people feel like it's um, any type of diet or way of eating is restrictive, but it's because you get in that mindset of what you can't have instead of all the things that you that are available to you and vegetables and fruits. Are you kidding me? There's millions. <laughs> totally. Yes. And, you know, just before speaking to you today, I was recording for my podcast an interview with um, this woman called Antonia Ricciardi, who is a plant-based chef. She's in the UK. She's in Cambridge, but she is Italian, as the name indicates. And we spent all that time talking about, you know, the, the best way to make bolognese sauce. And she was telling me about how, how um, the people in southern Italy, where she's from, keep on coming up with new vegetables. You know, they're breeding um, existing oh. varieties or they're resuscitating varieties that were pretty much forgotten and gone. And so there's, you know, I find that I eat more different things since I've gone plant-based compared to before. So I, I don't know which one is really the restrictive diet there. Yeah. Yeah. True. Do you have like your own garden? No, I live in a building and I do have a sizable balcony that I did attempt to garden on. And I have to say with my life situation, I have two kids that are, you know, eight and 11 now and bazillion activities and we go away a lot in the summer. And so it just ended up being, you know, being a little bit terrible and leaving a lot of (laughs) nice vegetables to die. But um, what I do love to do is uh, there's this little urban farm close to me that we can pick up veggie boxes from or when on years when we don't sign up with them we can also just support the farmers market uh farmers and we get spectacular vegetables so can't Um, complain yeah okay so since you mentioned your kids that's usually a really tough spot for a lot of parents i mean do you pre-plan or if you guys have to eat at any type of restaurant do you just plan on having vegetables salad how do you get around (laughs) for busy moms you know we're we're lucky people in that we live in a city where there's endless vegan options almost I mean I guess I could go to a place that doesn't have anything vegan to eat but we even have um, a new all vegan sushi restaurant that opened in Vancouver Um, there's been some in other cities for a long time but in Vancouver it didn't happen until now which has been fabulous so we don't need to work that hard to get that's options nice. that's um, nice. it really helps but you know when we travel 
most places in the world, um, perhaps other than the United States, but in, in lots of places, you're going to find rice and beans. And you know what? That's the food that my kids love the best. Really? So it makes it really easy. Uh, in a pinch, I mean, it's not a great meal from a nutritional perspective, but pasta and tomato sauce is always vegan. Though I have been in a, in a roadside diner in New Brunswick once where I had to basically fight my way to get just plain pasta because even the tomato sauce, for some reason, had dairy in it or they just couldn't wrap their head around the whole thing. I was like, just just bring me plain pasta. It'll be okay. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes the food is not the best, but it's vegan and I didn't cook it. So whatever. Right. So what <laughs> I'm open-minded. What started you on that path of eating plant? And I say plant-based only because when you say vegan people, there's like a stigma. People think you're part of PETA and you're going to throw blood on people or something. Like yeah, that. I understand. Stigma, but so plant-based sounds more approachable for people for some reason. And and that is where I started as well. And I becoming vegan was a very deliberate choice that happened later. I can say a word on that. But for me, um, you know, I come from a rural background. My grandfather had a dairy farm when he passed away. My parents bought it from the, you know, estate and my my dad operated the dairy farm for a while. That was before I was born though, because by the time I was born, my parents had pigs, like a, a pig farm. Okay. And um, after just a few years though, I think, I think my dad at heart was an animal lover and he it didn't sit hit, sit well with him, I think, what was going on in there. I am i don't know. I'll never know. It's too late to ask now. But my parents uh, basically sold the farm and they built a plant nursery. So maybe that was the sign of things to come for me. Oh. But, you know, my favorite thing to eat in my 20s was rare steak and blue cheese on top. You know, I, I don't come at this as somebody who's been a vegetarian since I was eight years old or something. Um, right. But... Aside from coming from that environment, I really identified as an eco-friendly person, you know, a good green citizen. And um, you mentioned that, you know, people sometimes don't like vegans because they're they're a little maybe self-righteous. Well, I was a commuter cyclist <laughs> living in the city. And that's another kind of people that <laughs> ma many people don't, you know, feel comfortable around. And I don't mind people asking me, where do you take your protein? But People pushing me off the road with the truck, that's a bit more threatening, right? So I was yeah. in a conversation many, many years ago. It was in, in 2013 with someone online about uh, bike commuting. I don't remember the details. And that person told me, well, if you're fueling your bike rides with steak, you might as well be driving a Hummer. And I was like, what? Wait a minute. I had never... And I felt embarrassed by that. I had never given any thought to the environmental footprint of my food. And that kind of shocked me, especially since it's actually pretty much true. I mean, it's a bit of a shortcut to say that equation, but right. it's overall, you know, steak has a really high environmental footprint. So if you're eating a lot of steak because you're doing so many like hard cycling workouts, well, yeah, you know, why don't you drive? <laughs> so um, that, that was hard on me. And I started researching the issue. And I decided that basically I had to take one for the team. And when I was at home, I would try to, you know, eat more bean dishes. I actually bought this really great cookbook that's called Spilling the Beans. It's a couple of Canadian authors, uh, dietitians who wrote it. And I started doing a lot of bean cooking. And then I decided, okay, at home, I'll always cook 
uh, you know, basically plant-based meals. If I'm at a restaurant, I'll eat vegetarian. And just like you, if I visit a friend's house or my in-laws or something and they feed me steak, well, I'll be happy to have it. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So that was the beginning for me. And that lasted about a couple of years. And then my second child was born. And um, just like my first child, who also didn't like to sleep, but loved the nurse, <laughs> I, I spent long, long nights awake, you know, thinking. And by that stage, I had done a lot of research about food and environment and other issues surrounding it. And it, I feel embarrassed saying that because, as I just said, I come from a family of dairy farmers. I've known my whole life that milk doesn't come from cows because they're cows. It comes from cows because they're mothers. You know, cows don't start to lactate until they have a baby. And there I was in the middle of the night nursing my my baby boy that was just born. And I, I thought, that's not fair. You know, nobody is coming to steal my baby and take my milk okay. for their coffee, right? And I woke up in the morning, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I felt really um, like I had to make a personal commitment to this. And that's when when I decided to become fully vegan. But it was a it was a long, it was a pretty long process overall. Oh, that's so interesting. And you know, it's funny or ironic that is that you say that you're a cyclist. My husband is a cyclist and we just, he's always been a pretty, um, oh, stereotypical male, you know, with the meat and potatoes type of diet. And then as he met me and I just changed my diet all the time, <laughs> I'm always experimenting. And then we started watching these shows and about these athletes that were plant-based athletes and how yeah. they're able to make their bodies do amazing things. And he slowly started to convert to more my way or that way of eating. And he doesn't miss it at all. He said he feels so much stronger now. It's just crazy. It's, it's, I don't know if it's a mindset shift as well, but he loves eating his veggies now and does yeah. not care if there's meat involved whatsoever. He even eats tofu. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. It's just totally. And you know, I have a lot of, I mean, I'm in my mid forties. I have a lot of friends in this age range too. And when I speak to, to men my age, often if we talk about aging and stuff, often you hear that, well, you know, I'm playing hockey with, you know, the boys from work or whatever. And like, it feels like the ice rink is getting bigger <laughs> as I age, right? <laughs> like they're, <laughs> like they're they, they feel like they're slowing down. And I, I have a couple of friends that went fully plant-based as well for various reasons one of them had like um, some gut issues and things and they tested that and it, it worked out for them and he said but the biggest difference is like athletic performance you know and and more than performance is recovery right that he found made the biggest difference and for me I gotta say my husband and I like we've been quite fit and athletic I guess and when we were we made this change when we were in the first half of our 30s so we didn't Exactly. We didn't have health issues. We didn't, you know, sure. we weren't doing this to address a health problem. So we didn't really notice the health benefits. But now it's really at the forefront of my mind, especially in the 40s, when you think about things like breast cancer and prostate cancer risk, when you think about um, dementia, unfortunately, my father passed away in an advanced stage of dementia. Um, my mom lives in a senior living place with, you know, all independent people. But 
all of them are on some kind of meds and, you know, they're not moving really fast. And my mom is jumping around and she's not fully vegan, but she's kind of like you, you know, she will eat meat socially, but she definitely has cut out dairy and, and meat at home and stuff like that. And she's like, why are they doing that to themselves? <laughs> yeah. Cause it is a choice. Um, I'm sorry about your dad, by the way. Um, what's interesting to me is how when somebody comes in and says that their allergies are acting up and stuff, a lot of the times, the first thing that they recommend is for somebody to cut out dairy for oh, yeah. a couple of weeks and then see, you know, if their symptoms improve that in itself says something. And that's new ish, right? Because right. I, when I, I'm a big fan of internet forums as my experience with the cycling thing, um, demonstrates and, I, so I spend a lot of time reading, um, you know, posts and Facebook groups. And I can tell you that five years ago, you would never, ever see somebody on a Facebook group, you know, maybe once a month, say something like, well, my doctor told me I have to go plant-based and I don't know what to do, <laughs> you know? Right, right. And now I read that every single day and I'm like, yes, you know, we're <laughs> finally making it into the mainstream of medicine. And often the doctors themselves, like, they may not exactly know what's going on but they've heard about this they're like well you know you can try this or you can try that you know and so they, they throw it there uh not all of them are qualified to get into the details of it but it's it's making its way so i'm i have hope oh for sure and i am definitely not throwing stones at anybody that is in medicine you know i would not want to do that job i'm not qualified <laughs> Um, you know, I, they just don't learn a lot from what I've been told about diet and nutrition when they go to medical school. So um, they are just learning how to treat uh, terrible symptoms. And thankfully, right. you know, there's medicines out there for people like that. But I'm with you. I don't want to be on a medicine for the rest of my life. If there's something I can do to make it so that I can not take a pill for the rest of my life, I'm all on board. Tell me what to do. I'll do it. Yeah. And I'd rather spend the time now. You know, I teach people cooking and of course, in the cooking world and, you know, cookbook marketing, it's always like, oh, easy 10, 20 minute dinners and it's all going right. to be quick. And I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not suggesting anybody has to spend an hour every night cooking dinner, but it does take a little bit more time than ordering something on Uber Foods, right? Yes. Um, and it's worth it because otherwise, I mean, it's not a silver bullet, but it significantly reduces your odds of having to go visit the doctor all the time. And it makes you, you know, keep walking faster <laughs> as you age. So you right. do have to put a little bit of work up front, um, but I see it as an investment. And there is the same kind of um, compound interest that applies to those health investments. So of course, the sooner you start, the better. But if somebody is 60 years old and they haven't started saving for retirement, nobody's going to tell them, you know, forget it, it's too late. No, right. <laughs> you, you know, start doing it if you can. Yeah. Not everybody has the same capacity, the same time to invest in this. There's some, you know, really tough situations in life that, but I get it. But if a lot of us spend some significant time watching Netflix or scrolling on our phones, and we can repurpose some of that time to cooking really good food at home. I like you saying it that way. Repurpose your time. That's so true. And people used to have to make things from scratch all the time. So, I mean, it's like if you want it to taste really good, sometimes you have to put in that extra effort. Yeah. And I mean, what else is life for? I'm I'm strongly aligned with some ideas of, of Buddhism about being in the, in the moment, you know, enjoying the present moment, looking deeply into your food, thinking of the miracle 
of you know having that food there available for us that comes really from the labor and effort of, of so many people and so many forces of nature and isn't i i see that as a very valuable way to spend my time and i know some people believe that they hate cooking but i i think that somehow we've been brainwashed is too strong a term but we've really been conditioned to think that cooking is like something that moms do you know and that's not in a good way um and i think it's time we we wake up and and see cooking good food especially plants eating more vegetables you know as a, a pillar of the meaning of life yeah <laughs> and, and it, it can be a very rewarding experience and it again is certainly better than leaving you know large food corporations to feed us because their point is to make money it's not to make us healthy yeah very true and i think for people that are thinking that it's silly or it doesn't it doesn't add up or there's no sense in it or whatever try it try it like i did whole 30 and eliminating food from your your diet and then going without it for 30 days and then slowly reintroducing things and seeing how you feel like there is no amount of money you can put on that it is insane how you can tell a difference Absolutely. when you omit dairy from your life for 30 days for me it just anytime i had dairy it made me uncomfortable i wasn't like having bathroom issues i just didn't feel good and so i thought okay i'll try it and i got rid of dairy and i just felt lighter i didn't feel so heavy yes. and disgusting after i ate a meal it was just like now do i miss cheese yes <laughs> yes i do <laughs> I love cheese, but I don't like how cheese makes me feel. Yeah. So it's like a bad know, relationship. <laughs> yeah. A couple of days ago, I had a conversation with a friend who uh, was telling me about her plant-based journey. And she said for her, she when she left there, it was not exactly, it was not for this reason, but she found out that when she occasionally had dairy because, of, you know, I'll just eat what's there kind of thing. She noticed after a few times that about six to eight hours later, she would get really anxious. And she was like, there's no other explanation to this. Like there was nothing happening in my life that would explain. And then she would have all these like weird feelings. And we know now a lot, I'm not a specialist of this, but we know a lot more now about uh, the gut brain connection. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of weird how like there's billions or trillions of like bacteria inside our gut that basically rule our lives <laughs> you yeah, know but yeah. they're in charge and it seems like they do not like dairy dairy does not sit well with them and so i i think they're in charge and i'm going to obey their what they're saying so <laughs> well and maybe not the dairy of old but the dairy of now is just not necessarily what it used to be and it doesn't make people feel very good so like i said i think if people want to try it out you know prove yeah. prove people wrong oh minute see what happens if you don't have dairy for a week and see how you feel and yeah. go from there have your little own science experiment totally i think most people if they just intentionally don't have dairy for a week, the worst thing that will happen is that they might lose five pounds. <laughs> because in North America, there's so much cheese everywhere. You know, there's yes. actually this, um, what's it called? Um, dairy checkoff, pro food checkoff program in the US where basically there's people on committees that are looking for ways to put more more, more cheese in particular into stuff because it, it increases the ROI, you know, the return on investment on, on the food and the profit margins. And uh, people love it. 
as you just said, so where can you be stuffed more cheese? And like cheese and pizza crust. Right. Our Italian for for nonas, for mothers would not like that idea. <laughs> But there's so much cheese everywhere. So if you just shed cheese for one one week, even or two weeks, you're going to see really significant effects right away. And losing weight is not like the be all end all of everything. But I think apparently most North Americans could do without a few extra pounds. Yes, um, 100%. So just give it a shot. So I want to ask you what your opinion is about like the, I don't want to call it fake meat, um, like the impossible burgers and stuff like that. Like, is that anything that you consume? Do you try and incorporate the imitation type of stuff? Or do you just say, no, I will just you know, eat apples? I, I'm human if I'm eating out and especially... If I'm going somewhere, like as I was mentioning, the the plain pasta that I've had before, mm -hmm. stuff like yeah. that, you know, like often the only thing that will be vegan on a menu in a place where you wouldn't expect anything vegan will be a Beyond or Impossible burger. Right. And I'll have it and I'll have the fries to go with it and I'll be very happy. Um, <laughs> but number one at home, I find that if I cook that stuff, it, it smells like meat, like it smells like ground beef and the smell sticks for a long time. And I really don't like that. And I just don't think, you know, I think it seems there's there's studies that are not super conclusive right now. It seems like there's some benefits. It's not that clear that it's benefit from right. there's less that there's something called TMAOs that happen in our body after eating um, animal products. There's also TMAOs created by carrots, you know, eating carrots, but it's like a tiny, tiny number versus mm -hmm. in the tens of thousands when you eat like bacon or barbecued steaks or whatnot so i think and, and those are cancer generating um cells that you know populate our gut and stuff so um it's probably a little better for your health than eating straight up meat burgers but really there's so many real foods like real beans i mean tofu is an amazingly versatile thing and by the way tofu i don't see it as a meat substitute to me it's more of a a cheese or an egg substitute, if you really want to call it a substitute, but it's a food of its own that's been around for thousands of years. Um, and so there's all these other delicious things to eat. I don't need to to buy the commercial alternatives. Right. But I'm glad they exist because they make life easier for a lot of people. They have certainly much lower environmental footprints. Um, and if I was a cow, I guess I would <laughs> much prefer the Impossible Burger. Well, and if that's a way for somebody to dip their toe into that world and say, all right, let me give this a try and see if it has the same texture, if it has any of the same qualities as a burger. And if they're like, well, this isn't too bad, you know, maybe it'll make them think a little bit and start tweaking their diet a little bit. I don't know. Totally. I just, I, I appreciate the idea of it. And yeah. um, hopefully there'll be more things that kind of go down that path. Um, do you experiment like trying to make your own cheese? Have you done like the cashew cheese or... I really have a lot of appreciation. There's a, a local a vegan plant-based cheese maker here in Vancouver that has, she's a microbiologist, you know, and she's oh. studied with the best of the best. And she co collaborates with cheesemakers in France to understand the essential, you know, what is cheese, <laughs> the capital C. I, I really appreciate that, but I, I don't like that stuff much myself. I think the role of cheese in a lot of our dishes is to kind of bring it all together. You know, the, the cheese on pizza, it, it creates a uniform layer on top. 
Sure. Um, it on a dish like pasta, if you grate a little parmesan on top, it it gives a finishing touch. Yeah. And so the the function of cheese, other than being like concentrated fat and salt, is often not just to be cheese it's something else so i think we can often hit that note so for example for pasta i make this mixture that is a uh, walnuts garlic powder and nutritional yeast nutritional yeast is a is a something that gives a little bit of that cheesy flavor but it's also very nutritious as the name indicates anyway i blend that a little bit right yeah it, uh, some nutritional yeasts do not have b12 so watch out don't count on that for your b12 oh, take a supplement that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> but um, so anyway, I just mix that together. It creates like a coarse dust thing. And it's so good on top of, of pasta, like with the tomato sauce. And it adds a depth. It gives you a little bit of a crunch. That's the function of the thing. On pizza, I will put usually cashew cream instead of going through the hassle of making a proper, you know, aged cashew cheese. Just putting cashews and water and a little lemon juice in the blender um yields this really delicious you know and it's it's fat and especially saturated fat which is not the best for you but you're not having a ton of it right just the drizzle of that on pizza makes it amazing so i i'm glad they exist but again to me it's just easier to skip over that and go straight for the the whole ingredients yeah do you drink coffee <sighs> you know i had it's unrelated to going plant-based but maybe it prepared me <laughs> I, I quit coffee when um, before my daughter was born because uh, I'm, I'm not like super sad about this. But anyway, uh, before my daughter was born, I had uh, three miscarriages at very early term. Oh. And we were, you know, I was 34. So my clock was kind of ticking, but not hard enough for the hospital to be too worried about me. Right. And um, it was just kind of a non-event. It was like, oh, well, that sucks. <laughs> and uh, as we were waiting to get a spot for a consult, I was just reading, you know, what might cause this. And one of the things is like, oh, one in 220 women is very sensitive to caffeine. And there's different ways that different people metabolize caffeine. And they said, you know, it can cause issues in vascularization when you have an early pregnancy. And I was like, oh, well, what? I'll just experiment, as we just said, right? So I was like, I'll right. try to quit coffee. It was the worst two weeks of my life because <laughs> I loved coffee. I was such a coffee lover. Um, and I had my coffee black in case that's where you were going. Um, that is where I was going. Yeah. So um, anyway, all this to say that I quit coffee and it hurt so much to quit coffee that I never went back on. And my next pregnancy just stuck without a problem. So I was like, okay, I guess I won't go back to this. And once in a while I had an actual like coffee with like not the decaf. And I'm like bouncing off the walls. Like yeah. I can't drive if I've had a coffee, you know, <laughs> so I'm not going back. But um, if people like coffee, the only thing I will say is put the milk in the cup before the coffee. Um, most there's some plant milks that are made, you know, with special additives and stuff. Uh, but most of them will kind of have a funny reaction when you pour them cold in coffee. Okay. If you put if you put the the soy milk or the oat milk or whatever it is at the bottom of your mug and then pour in the coffee, it's all gonna be fine. And uh, once in a while, I do have a chai latte, and I like it with soy just because it's more nutritious. But really, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they're really expanding that market too. All oh, the yeah. kinds of milk. I, again, I just think it's great. You know, you don't have to go to a Whole Foods anymore. I don't know if do you guys have Whole Foods. 
We do. We do okay. in Canada yeah, now. Like you don't have to go to a place like that in order to find options. You can go to Walmart or, you know, Target or wherever. They have options everywhere you go now, which is really nice. I'm sure a long time ago when people were trying to eat vegan, it was a lot more difficult than what it is <laughs> nowadays. But there was um, one kind of soy milk back then. Right. Uh, but, and and don't forget um, the so-called poorly named uh, ethnic markets. Right. I live in Vancouver, Canada. We have a lot of Asian grocery especially Chinese. Um, and we have a tofu making company. Uh, almost every town of some size has a local tofu maker. And oh, we've had so people funny. here that have been making tofu, I want to say for 85 years in downtown Vancouver, and they've been making soy milk the whole time. So we have this, this local company, but in most towns, uh, if you look around in the Asian community in particular, you're going to find some really neat um, plant-based options that may not be that common in the mainstream, but that have been around for decades. So look it up. Gosh, that's awesome. Okay. So you wrote a book, you have a podcast, you have a blog and a website, and you have all these free resources for people. Like, it's amazing. You're doing a ton of stuff. I love it. I just, <laughs> you know, I just want to help more people eat more plants. And I totally understand that a lot of people still eat meat. I, it's a major civilizational challenge that we're confronted with. I don't blame individuals for their diets, but I'm just, you know, even if people just eat more fruit and vegetables, their lives can improve so much. And so I'm happy to be doing this to inspire them. And when people email me or I have this like chat box on my website, right? And I respond myself. And somebody told me, oh, you could put a chat bot, you know, an AI chat bot to respond. I'm like, no, I want to respond. Sure. <laughs> because I get so excited. <laughs> Another person wants to eat plants. I, I will do this all day long. So well, and like it. you said, it could be um, so much as just adding in a few things. It's not the takeaway, like extreme, like, okay, you have to give up everything and start fresh and only eat asparagus for the next five years. Like, Though that would be nice. I love asparagus. <laughs> But um, yeah, so what what is your book called? It is called Flow in the Kitchen, Practices for Healthy, Stress-Free Vegan Cooking. It is not a cookbook. It's not a book where you find recipes because the, the one message I want to share with people is that they know a lot more than they think about cooking. And even like if I sit you down and I, you know, force you to answer the question, how do you make soup? I'm sure you can come up with something, you know, right. put vegetables in a pot, add some broth, you know, make it better by adding some beans. You've got soup and it's actually most likely pretty good. Yeah, right? it doesn't we don't need all those fancy recipes. I appreciate that some people are working on that. But once we understand how food is made and there's not very many recipes out there, really, like at the end of the day. So I, I prefer to teach the the general principles. And that's what the book is all about. And also about uh, conquering our feelings of resistance about cooking and changing our mindset. That's amazing. I honestly, I thought it was a cookbook. So that is really cool that you just said all that. I had no idea. Um, and then what's the name of your podcast? Um, Vegan Family Kitchen Podcast. It's very original. <laughs> <laughs> that's the name. That's the name of my business. That's the main, the main thing I do. Yeah. So, um, wh yeah. Where can people find you then? Is that your website then as well? Yes. Veganfamilykitchen.com is the best way to get a hold of me. Of course, we can connect on social media, but then some algorithm somewhere in a basement 
decides whether or not you'll see me again. I'm pretty good at write, sending a, a mostly weekly-ish newsletter. Um, it's never spammy. The other, I really try hard to only have functional cookies on my website and not have like creepy things that target ads to you and stuff like that. So people can feel can feel safe with me, um, and they can ask me anything they want about cooking, and I'll do my best to help. Yeah, no, I loved your website when I was reading. I mean, it was just the way that you, um, your message, it's so down to earth. It's relatable. It's, it's like, it spoke to me, honest to God, it did. I was just reading. I was like, this is really cool the way that she's wording all this. And then you have so many free resources and what is it like a, a two week free? Oh yeah. There's a lot of those. There's um, a, there's a couple of meals. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And there's also my favorite thing. It was the first thing I did with this um, website because I did them for myself when I was about three years in and my two kids were in daycare. I was still working. Um, and I I was like, every week I have to plan meals and it's the pain of my existence. But at the same time, I was seeing what I just said to you about, you know, the soup. There's a general way to make soup. There's a general way to make a stir fry. You don't always need a recipe. So right. I created these templates for myself that were like Mad Libs, you know, where you tick boxes <laughs> and you yeah. fill in the blanks. Yes. And I created those things. And there's one for every season. They're in the templates section of my website. And so you print that out and you just tick boxes based on what you want. Uh, and like if you have eggplant in the fridge or, you know, you have a lot of zucchini in the garden or whatever, you know, you, you fill in the blanks with those things that you have and it creates a meal plan for you. And that's still to this day, it's my favorite thing to use uh, even myself once in a while if I'm not following my own detailed meal plans and I just want something basic. Um, it's a great it's a great tool. So you can download all those things um, for free on my website. The only things I charge for are my um meal planning service. So I decide what's for dinner for people. And there's a full collection of, of meal plans there. And um, I also have, that's the best thing. I have a cooking club that is so fun. Oh. So some of the meal plan subscribers, because I, I find if you want to eat, you know, cooked from scratch food for the most part, I find it so much easier to do a little advanced cooking on the weekend, batch cooking. And so we get together every two weeks on Sunday on Zoom. And we cook oh. at the same time. I'm not teaching. Like, I'm cooking too. And they're doing their cooking. Um, and it's just so fun. And it gives us a sense of community, sharing a vision of, of caring for ourselves, um, showing up for each other. Anyway, I, I love this. Uh, so that's one of the few things that I offer that, that has a price tag to it, if you like. But otherwise, yeah, yeah always happy to help. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I love that. Come That's down awesome. anytime. I just want people, you know, I grew up in this my, my uh, party trick. My dad was one of 17 kids. My mother, my mother was one of 11. Whoa. And in both families, it was like open kitchen all the time, you know, just come in. Like people wouldn't call before going somewhere. You just barge in, you know, Yeah. and, and you just feel welcome. And that hospitality is something that has in many ways disappeared from a lot of the kind of modern society we live in. But I, I try to keep it uh, alive in this online world where we can continue to connect with each other in very worthy and valuable ways, uh, feel welcome and feel like we care for each other. Oh my gosh. I love that. What a great message. I have enjoyed this conversation so much, Brigitte. Thank you so much for taking the time. 
It was fantastic. And I hope uh, that we get to cook together sometime. That would be really fun. Yeah. If not, I'd love to have you back again just to talk about more stuff. <laughs> that would be great. Anytime. All right. Thanks so much, Brigitte. I'll be in touch.